Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestralProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joining today, we have Birdie. Good evening. And Trey. Hello. And yes, we're here to talk about the new season. Are we? Pro- I mean, like that and other stuff, but like, yes. Okay, yeah, I wasn't told. I didn't watch anything from the new season. I literally said last episode. Okay, I literally watched nothing from the new season. I said last episode, hey, yeah, we like the new season starts like the day we're recording this, so we can't really talk about it, but next episode we'll get into it. Yeah, you can get into it. I I just watched fucking Gundam stuff. Outstanding. So you're going last. Yay, I get to stay up the latest. Yeah, so of the... You, you do realize you're the only one who bails out early when you're done. Oh, no, I'm talking about stay up as in, like, stay, like, participating in, like, conversation. It was a joke. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, um, for those who that, for those who don't go to the site um, and don't know, uh, Cora, our reviews editor, has come back to writing reviews. He's written a bunch of reviews for this season. Whoa! Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Uh, I haven't watched any of that. <laughs> well, one of them, as Cora put it, is the anime version of an MST3K episode. So yes, probably oh, not shit. missing much there. Yeah, two car was it? I think that's the name of it. You know the one, you know the series about competitive riding in a sidecar of motorcycle. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, there's it's a. a it's, it, have you seen those motorcycles where competitive like sidekicking? Kind of. Or, uh, yeah. Well, I mean the the MST3K episode he was referencing is called the Side Hackers. Oh my god. Yeah, apparently there's like a worldwide sport like sidecar cross or something where it's somebody in a motorcycle while somebody rides in a sidecar. I wonder if it's cold living in someone's shadow for that long. <laughs> it's got to be. You come out of it very pale. <laughs> At least you're not jaundiced like the guy riding in the actual car. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's how those things usually end. Like, somebody comes out and they're like, oh, God, the sun had to, like, spend a couple weeks in a tanning booth while the other guy just has melanoma. Yeah, that's the word. Jaundice is actually what the guy in the shadow would have. This is a conversation. Yes, we're having a conversation. Anime. So, I guess to talk about something someone's watched, I guess I get the thing that annoyed me the most out of the way first. Uh, I might hate Black Clover. Yeah, the anime is not uh, good. I think everyone hates Black Clover, the anime. The anime is not good. From what I've heard, it is one of the most disappointing things to come out in the past, like, two to, years. To quote Korra's review, which I heartily agree with, what if Naruto was annoying? More annoying. Okay, I was about to say. Yeah, like it didn't, but, yeah, like, this series... I like Naruto, but I was about to say. Yeah, this series reads better than it is acted. Well, it also it, I look I checked to see why the pacing was so bad because I watched three episodes and yeah I was right the pacing is terrible the first chapter of the manga takes up the first three epi- the first three episodes Jesus but Christ the manga is not bad I assume because I don't know anything about Black not. Clover okay so I so as it is I read the Black Clover manga I read it week to week I enjoy it 
It is a solid three-star manga. Out of five? Yes. Okay. I would not say, I enjoy this three out of ten manga. There's some that I can say that for. But yeah, like, three out of five, it is a... This series is shonen as balls. This is the most shonen thing you'll ever read. Well, and not shonen in the sense of... It, it's shonen in all the bad ways. Like, yes, My Hero Academia is shonen. But it subverts shonen in a lot of ways. This kind of rebels in shonen. It subverts shonen. It has, an, it has its own identity. It has developed characters and a clear storyline. As far as I've watched and from what I've heard from reviews of the first two graphic novels of the series, the first few chapters of Black Clover is just tropes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. Like, it is retarded. Nothing but tropes. It is retardedly tropey. It is just... It is essentially like imagine every this this is this is like what happens if you like leave a leave like a volume of One Piece, Bleach, and Naruto out in the rain and like squeeze it out into a book. And while well, and like and you were doing a side job reading a little uh, Blue Exorcist, and you thought you know you know what would make the relationship between Sasuke and Naruto make more sense if it was somehow brotherly and antagonistic, but like not really. That's actually a thing I really like about it. I don't. There's like it was, it was something that it was something that kind of like kept me reading it after that first chapter because like I had just come off of Naruto. I was like, oh god, I don't want this other fucking bullshit. But then they get into it. It's like, oh wait, this actually like it's not. So fuck it. I'll I'll take it. Okay, here's my problem with the relation. Okay, so I guess for those who don't know, so a guy named Naruto. I mean Asta is born without any inherent magical abilities. Uh, he thinks getting a magic book will give him his magic abilities so he can be the Pirate King. I mean, Wizard King. Uh, turns Shaman out King, please. Yeah. Turns out uh, he does have some magical abilities caused by the fact that he's possessed by the Nine-Tailed Demon Fox. I mean, the Great Demon Lord. Which actually, gives him a- actually. So that's a thing. That's a thing that has come up twice. The first chapter and the nine- and like the fucking 90th chapter. Okay, so so yeah, like uh, in in this world, the the amount of the amount of leaves on your clover on your grimoire that you get when you turn fifteen determines your power level. I mean, power level. Yeah. Now, but uh, okay, um, keep talking, Dead Man. I want to bring up uh, Cora's review because there's a bad, terrible quote. Yeah, yeah, totally about Asta's power. Yeah, so just it's irritating, and I want to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Yuno, being the Sasuke, gets the four-star clover. Gets the four-leaf clover, which is, oh my god, he is so super powerful. He's got fucking wind magic coming out his dickhole. And then Asta doesn't get a book until later, and he gets the five-leaf clover. Yeah, okay, and I've got, I finally got the quote, and it's really, really dumb. The three leaves of the clover represent faith, hope, and love. Within a fourth leaf dwells good luck. Within a fifth leaf dwells a demon. Yeah, that, that's that's ripped right from the manga, and it makes no sense. It is dumb. It is dumb. <laughs> it is it is trying to force a it is trying to force an ideology into this fucking thing that does not need to be there because it don't make fucking sense. Yeah, not to mention, okay, I always had trouble liking Naruto at first because he was one of the shonen tropes I was always less fond of, even as a kid. Just a headstrong idiot who succeeds through bullheaded stupidity. Yeah. 
Asta is that character, but he's so much more annoying because he apparently has to shout every line. Yep, he yep, cannot yep. talk in a normal tone of voice. He is just less likely to say, marry me, as I will beat you, or why am I so troubled? Help yeah, pretty much. me. Pretty much. I gotta take a shit. But just like actually screaming, not whisper screaming. Well, because I'm trying not to. Yeah, I know. Blow out the mic. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. But yeah, it is that kind of. He is that trope. He is the epitome of that trope. He is. This guy, he knows tropes. I'll say that for the author. <laughs> so do we, but we don't write manga. <laughs> yeah, whenever I try to write manga, I always do my best to try to support the trope. Wait, you try to write manga? Uh, we have this uh, we have this podcast series called Pitch Meetings where we pitch each other ideas about bullshit that we have. Wait, that's still going? Uh, me and Caveman keep coming up with ideas. We just haven't gotten that chance to actually sit down and record any of them. That's okay. See, so it's not a podcast. It's just you talking with your friend. Nah, we 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 recorded episodes <laughs> of it, so it is a podcast. Get fucked. <laughs> I feel like I only ever saw one episode of Pitch we Meetings did actually two. come out. We did two. <laughs> you did two in a year. You did two in a year. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. In case oh, you haven't man. noticed, I'm busy doing other things. Yeah, no, I understand. You do a lot more than I do, so it's okay. I can't talk much. Yeah, sorry I couldn't record that podcast. I was recording nine other podcasts. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I tried watching like the first episode of the of the anime, and I I gave up. I got through three. The third was the worst because the first is just the setup. The second is the other half of the setup, which is mostly a flashback. And the third episode has an eight-minute traveling montage. Oh, f- I, fucking awesome. Again, I've seen zero because I didn't watch anything. Yeah, yeah, we got that. We, but, we heard. Like, but, like, okay, even by Shonen standards, it's not a good sign to jump into a traveling montage three episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's not a very. That's a little. Ex- that's a little extreme. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's like you got to pull the girl aside and be like, "Yo, you're moving a little too quickly." Like, like take me out to dinner a few more times, and then maybe we can go a little bit further. But right now, this it's, it's just too much. Yeah. So Asta's like magic power that he gets is actually because he literally has no magic power. He gets anti magic. Yeah, this, this, uh, basically, and I'm pretty sure it's the his sword is the sword the pre, the first wizard king used to slay the demon lord or whatever that was, and it was corrupted by his demonic powers. It's, so it's connected to elves. Sword. It's connected to say, elves. Say okay. what you say what you want, but anti magic is probably the best magic power in the world. Yeah, but if it's also an overused magic. trope. Freaking, um, you're right. It is an overused. A trope. certain magical index, I think, does it a little better than this. Mainly because that's better characterization, and the character himself keeps fucking himself up using this power either incorrectly or not well enough. Like one time, he failed to catch several magic feathers, and one of them landed on his head and wiped out seven years of his memory. <laughs> that's amazing! Wow. I love it. That's, wait, so hold on—is a certain magical index good? 
Like in your it's opinion. better than this. I think it, it for me that series is like a three three point five. Okay, it's okay. Like, it's got a lot of the tropes. It has better characterization. It, it's got some really dumb rom com type shit, but it's. I mean, the series starts with a girl in a nun costume chewing on a guy's head because she's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you know anime. Yeah. You know anime. So yeah, it. I I I don't think I can do Black Clover anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, that's totally fine. Like Black like. I read Black Clover the same way I like watched police procedurals for a while. In that I'm not I'm not technically reading this for like real entertainment stuff. I'm reading this to take up time. Okay. And like as as a time sink, I think it actually does pretty all right. Like they've gotten as it as it has gone along, it has gotten better. But it's not a good thing for a manga to be like, hey, it gets good twenty five chapters in. Yeah, and it's not good for an anime to say, hey, we're going to go even slower than the manga. Yeah, and they picked the worst fucking voice actor. They, that guy cannot... Like, like one, one of the things that really bugged me with this fucking voice is that it... It didn't work. His screaming... Well, for A, he, for a every line was screamed. Yeah. But for another okay, thing, it, it, it wasn't good screamed. Yeah. Okay, so as an example... um, of a bad series that has a super screamy, ridiculous protagonist, uh, Mobile Fighter G Gundam. The main character of that, Domon Kashu, is the most shouty character in anime history. I, I, I would like to second this. I completely agree with you, and I think this is the first. I would like to. I would like to ask for a round of applause because I think this is the first time Birdie and I can one hundred percent agree. Yeah, but even then, there were times Domonkashu didn't shout. <laughs> There's almost but that no times take Asta away doesn't... his position. Of no, the shoutiest character. No, no. Like, uh, he. Okay, so the voice actor who played Domonkashu, Tomokazu Seki, is one of my favorite uh, Japanese voice actors. But, and this is honestly true, uh, he had to learn how to. He was, he was fairly amateur when he took the role of Domonkashu, so he had to do a lot of screaming. But since then, he has learned how to do voice. He's the control his voice a lot better, being a much better voice actor, and he's become pretty prolific. But when they tried to bring him back to do the voice for a video game several years later, A, he had messed up his voice, and B, he had become such a good voice actor, he couldn't do the voice anymore. <laughs> That's, uh, wasn't that, that the is problem amazing. With, wasn't that the problem with uh, Solid Snake and uh, fucking, why can't I think of his name David right Hader. David Hader, yes. I don't know, but like he had done so much work after uh, Middle Gear Solid Four that like he couldn't really do Snake's voice the same anymore in Middle Gear Solid Five, and it also had hurt his voice like a fucking ton, uh, to where it just wasn't working. And they were like, "All right, fuck it, we're hiring someone else." And then David Hader got really pissed. He was like, "Come on, man! Come on, I can still do Snake." <laughs> did you just go Australian for that? Yes, I did. Crikey. <laughs> Crikey. There's a snake in my boot. There's a snake in my boot, and it's me. There's a lick. <laughs> but no, you are That's right, dead man. The, that, the, the voice actor playing Asta, 
All he knows how to do is shout. He can't in- intonate the shouting. He can't modulate it for different emotions. He he's he's the shouty version of a uh, uh, so a joke Cor and I made about the dub for Code Geass is how bad Nunnally's voice actress was, <laughs> where everything she said sounded the same, no matter what emotion was supposed to be on display. And yep. this led to the this led to the Cora joke. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh. It's- I'm so sad. That oh, isn't that harder, like her harder, softer. <laughs> isn't that the entire joke of her character in the abridge of it though? Maybe I haven't watched the abridge of Code Okay, Geass, but, yeah, but, yeah. That's that is literally her character in the abridge. Yeah, which I I think that's due to how bad that dub is. I mean, that there's a reason people make fun of the of the that the Tristan dub from Yu-Gi-Oh abridged is the way it is because that's literally how the voice actor sounded in the first exactly. few episodes. It's because. They don't. The, 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 the jokes don't hours, come the from sun nothing. Will rise. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, the, the, all he knows how to do is scream. Maybe he's directed towards that. Maybe he's not got enough talent in the industry yet to know that you can't just shout everything the same way and expect a character. You can't just shout, shout, let it all out. If he, no, if he was shout, shout, letting it all out, that might be a bit better. But no, he's shout, shout, saying nothing. Oh no, that's the worst. No. So- sound and fu- uh what is the term? Sound and fury signifying nothing. Yeah, it is just <laughs> He is just I am going to speak at a raised volume at all times, even though I am feeling no emotion while doing it. Hey guys. <laughs> when they're I mean, like right next to him. I mean even yeah, it's like hey you guys has more of emotion behind any- behind it than anything he has ever said. I like titles. Hold on, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of a character that sounds like that that I can compare it to. Sloth. Sloth, yeah, sloth chunk. Sloth is pretty good. Close. Sloth love baby Ruth. But sloth, uh, but sloth seemed legitimately both annoyed and upset when he died. Austin would he, just say, I'm dying! Yeah, he seems like just, he seems like one of those abridged characters that's doing exactly the same thing that an abridged character does. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, just very one note that this is his joke. Yeah. Yes, that is jo- his joke. He's yelling all the time. Yeah. I am hilarious and you or will clo- quote the, everything the... I say. He sounds like Kami. What, what's the joke like, from, what's the, like Kami what's the, uh... Guru? What's the joke from the first Anchorman? Loud noises! Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Loud noises! Yeah, he sounds like Super Kami Guru in Dragon Ball Z abridged. Yeah. <laughs> Nail! Yeah. But no, I, I maybe the Black Clover manga is better. The, the way a describes it, it's like, hey, yeah, uh, it's got really decent characterization as long as you can turn off your trope radar. Yeah, basically. That's basically it. Like, if tropes don't annoy you, <laughs> and, uh, if, like, like if tropes don't if tropes don't annoy you, it's dece. God, you just made me fucking like. Did I, I make taking, you spit take? You Did I make spit you spit take? take? You made me spit take with the trope meter thing. <laughs> I yeah, it, yeah that's, I don't know why they got me, but it got me. <laughs> oh my okay, Trey, let's be a lesson to you. 
pregame. If you're gonna if you're gonna is, fucking go through two thirds of a bottle of wine, finish that bitch off before we no, start. No, no, this is Coke. This is Coke right now. <laughs> this is this is just Coca Cola. It made me spit take. I don't know why that got me. Yeah, but it, I don't. It, it would was, take a lot to make me spit take these days. I've seen Dead Man break down under my words exactly. Too many times. Exactly. I don't know what it is that got me, but that just got me. Yeah. Anyway, let's... Thank you, ANN, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but let's move on, I suppose. So, Deadman, do you want to do one, or should I do another one? Uh, I'll do one. I'll do my other one. Okay. So, watch the first episode of King's Game. The animation. Is it a murder game? Uh, kind of. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So, this is right up Deadman's alley. So, the most interesting thing about this show <laughs> is that it is a sequel to a series that doesn't exist. Uh, now, do you mean that literally, or just because I, I know the premise where like the main character has survived this game before? That's it, and he's trying to warn. Okay, yeah, because I, I uh, maybe like there was a game that had like done this story previously, and like so he was in that or something. No, so it's literally just the sequel to something that doesn't exist. So you're supposed to figure out what happened. During the well, series. okay, it's no. not a bad idea to have like a character. No, it's not to, to have like a character who has survived a murder game. Yeah, yeah expecting never to have to deal with it again. It's essentially like if you watched Aliens without watching Alien. It's essentially if you had watched Sao Two. Fuck. You couldn't I'm even finish sorry. that. You couldn't it, even it finish it. S- I couldn't it can't finish possibly it because... be Sao Two bad. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's not Sao Two bad. Has to... Literally, Kirito has survived four of them now. Or is it four of the same one? It's four. Like, it's four, and they're all based on the same one. But there's another one coming out, too. And then there's going to be a spinoff, and it's so crazy. So enough about how bad uh, SAO sucks. Continue, continue, Dead Man. <laughs> yeah, so King's Game. Uh, pretty sure it is like just you know King's game, drinking game where you have chopsticks. One of them, all of them, and numbers on except one is red. Whoever is red says, "Hey, number this and number this. Do this because the king says so, motherfucker." And if you don't, you have to take a shot or some bullshit. Yeah, it's just, it's it's I, it's combining drawing know. straws with Simon Says basically. Yeah, it's a, okay. It's a, it's okay, a drinking so game. it's you can literally say anything that you want to say as long as it's like physically possible to do. It, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a real life like, game. Like the real thing. Yeah, that's is what like I'm saying. Game. I don't know this. Yeah, yeah. It is a it is a real game where it is essentially just, it is essentially a some kind of variation on like spin the bottle, but with but with more complexity in it, I guess. So it's like spin the bottle, and whoever it lands on gets to say Simon says do this. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. If you played Persona Four. Yeah. And got to the part in the club. Oh. They play King's Game in that. Yeah. Guess what. I blocked that part out of Persona 4 because I don't like Persona 4. Okay. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. Um, this doesn't really... This is a variation on that where the king is always the same person and it's a person not involved in the plot until they are. See, uh, see like at midnight, every day, uh, the, the kids get a text. And that text is... The orders. It says, hey, seat number this and seat number this. Go do this. And if you don't do it, you die. Oh, shit. 
the first time it, it the first time it is something fairly fairly innocuous. It is just like, hey, everybody gets this text, and then like, hey, these people have to kiss. It's like, oh, that's a funny joke, but hey, fucking whatever. Who gives a shit? It's this bullshit. And the next day, they get fucking like seven of them in a row. Where it's like, these people have this this person has to lose somebody they love. This these two people have to fuck. This guy has to fucking hang himself. Also, if anybody sleeps, you die. Oh no. And so yeah, first episode, ten people die. Oh shit. Of a Japanese sized class of about I think like thirty people. That's not good. So we lose a third of our characters in the first episode, the majority of them off screen. That's not very good at all. Yeah, so when things starts at when things start out, we have our main character, Nobuaki, uh in hell, basically. Standing in this fucking giant red landscape, there are piles of skulls a la Terminator. There are fucking destroyed buildings. There are gravestones and crosses and shit knocked over. Then he gets taken in by this giant wave. And a lady friend of his is like, hey, it's cool. We're going to be good. We're going to survive this together. Then she starts sinking and her arms and legs get ripped off by nothing. And then we're at a fucking athletic meet where they're doing a baton race. A very quick shift. And yeah, so when things start, Nobuaki is the new the new transfer student at his school. He just he just kind of showed up, and he's being a bit of a downer. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. He's all fucking mopey and shit. He is crying randomly, and it is revealed as as the episode progresses that the reason that is happening is because he the reason he switched schools was because of the was because of the king's game, because he's the only one who survived, and now it's happening here. Oh. And the other students are like, oh, you survived this. You must be the one doing it, you fucker. Because of course it is. How can you have a death game series without everybody being against one character? You can't because you got to have tension. And that one character has to be the absolute fucking best in the goddamn world. He's really not. Okay, but in the end, yeah, he's got to be. Yeah, I know. But he is... He's just kind of shitty. Just really sad. How did he survive the first one? We don't know. He just did. Okay. So, like... As the series progresses, we will probably be getting more and more, like, glimpses into the King's game that happened previously. As we will learn how he survived it. Okay, because I want to know if it, like, if it's helping him at all with this one. I'm like, pre- is it? Yeah, I I don't think so because because the, the thing is just as long as you as long as you just like do what the king says you won't die. So why does it matter that he was in the first one? Because he told them all about it and was like because like so he told them all about it. He was like, hey, so oh, so the only thing that matters is that he knew the rules. Yes, that's fucking stupid. They took an interesting concept and made it fucking stupid. No, they made it stupid by removing the king from the plot. Like so. Oh, oh, so, so, so how King's game usually works is one person involved in the game is king, and then every round it switches. In this, the Meaning king is always you are just a, you are just as likely to be subjected to something as to subject someone else to something. Whereas this premise takes the potential to have the power to subject someone else to something out off the table. Yeah, like if like if it was like it like the king is a separate entity that is not involved with our characters as far as I'm aware. Where so he is always a separate being outside of the game itself. 
This would have been way more interesting if the King's game was actually one day randomly a person in the class is selected as king. Nobody knows who it is. But just every day a but every day a different person is king, so they're the ones subjecting people to this. That'd be pretty sick. So so like, so so like every start, day a random person gets to fucking choose what the fate of the classroom is. Essentially. And so it would start out so it would start out like fairly innocuous. Like, oh yeah, just like one or two things happen. But then we have our other guy who survived this before being like, Oh god, this is all gonna go horribly wrong as they did before, and then just things start ramping. It's like what if Dang and Rampa happen again to the same characters? Oh wait, it did. Yeah, so so like so like it's, it's like a it's like it would start out you know relatively innocuous like hey this person this person kiss and then like oh hey this person and this this person has to like steal something for this person or and then it would just slowly ramp up to the point where it's like hey this person has to assassinate the president. <laughs> but there wait, is so they can specify so wait they can specify certain people it doesn't have to be like everyone doing it. It is it is specifically they determine it by seat number. He's like like every oh yeah, every okay text so it's they, not just Simon says like. No, it it's is. Not just like it is Simon specific. Says, Put your hand on your head, and everyone puts their hand on their head. Okay, that no, makes we, sense. no. With, with kings, with kings game, with with every number, like the king will say, "All right, number two and number five have to fuck," or something along those lines. And so the person who has the number two chopstick, the person with the number five chopstick, they go and do it, or they get or they get punished. Yeah. Okay. Whereas, um, in, whereas I assume in, in the real world, it's not that extreme. No, it's no. It like some it's people like maybe they kiss or something. Yeah, basically, it it is. Like 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 spin the bottle. It is like all right. It's not life ruining. No, it is. Well, it depends on your talent for embarrassment. Because Dead Man, have you read All Rounder Megaru? Uh, some. Okay, uh, they do play a king's king's game in that where the main character is forced to make out with a naked forty year old man. So, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So. Because his first episode is a lot of just following and walking around as he is just sad at all times. And as and as we get like actually into what is happening, um yeah, just ten people die off screen as he is running around like saying, like, <laughs> hey, like, hey, class rep or whatever, this only nice person in this goddamn class. Go gather everybody. Things are getting fucked. Everything's going to shit. And, and then he, the class ref becomes the king. Nope. Ne- the next day. Nope. Uh, d- nope. Uh, like I said, like I said, uh, that would be the interesting thing. But the king is a separate person, not involved with the class at all, who is just telling these people to do these things for amusement. Presumably. That's fucking dumb. That would be so much more interesting if it was like, let's find out which one of these people is the king. Exactly. That's my point. But no, they take, they take the king out of the world, basically, and just have these kids being in this fucking death game. That's fucking dumb. But yeah, so te- yeah, so like a bunch of kids. No, I'm sure it's enjoyable still. Eh. Like I'm sure to a point to someone who's like, man, I enjoy every Saw movie just to watch it happen. It's like, man, I'm super excited for the for the Saw remake or reboot. it's like, man, I'm super excited for the last Hunger Games movie. <laughs> Like that kind of person, I'm sure it's fun for them. Not this first episode, because this first episode doesn't really do anything. Like, like the only order they get is oh shit, fucking roasted. Like in the first episode, the only order they get is these two people have to kiss, and that's it. <laughs> these two people have to kiss. 
I'm sure that is the most risque thing in the world in Japan. Oh, no, like, like, like the, the second... Over this, here, well, of course so. it is in Japan. Dude, in Japan, the ne- they have the stupid concept of indirect kissing. Dude, the, yeah, exactly. Dude, the next day, the ne- like, after they kiss, they get the next set of orders, and one of them is, these people have to fuck. Like, I didn't make oh. that up. Like the next one of the next orders is these two these two characters have to have sex. Yeah, all right. Let me see if I can actually pull up. I'm I have the episode up. I'm just trying to like skim through it to try to find what the next fuck like what some of the orders are that he got after that first thing happened. So you guys just talk amongst yourselves as I look this up. Okay. Are you done talking about Osama? <laughs> uh, no, I am looking something up about King's Game. Okay. Uh, so, all right. So, Trey, yeah, are so there... I got some. So, one person has to lick somebody else's foot. Give us a lot of time to talk. Yeah, one person has to touch somebody else's tits. Two people have to fuck. One guy gets to just give out an order of his choice. One he person has to. Yeah. So it's, the king just said, "Hey, give out it say tells anyone whatever you want. Tell them to do whatever you want." Basically. Yeah, one person has to lose somebody important to them. What happens if they don't do what he says? Uh then they die. Does he die or do they die? They die, I believe. Okay. Yeah, it is it it is that character outside of the outside it's of the like actual game. Of a temporary king. Basically, which is is that against the rules or no? That no, like the rule. The rules are you do what the king says. No, I'm saying like in an actual king's game, could you do that? I am not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't think so. All right, because I don't think the king can give multiple orders in an actual king's game. He only gives one. Yeah, but like if that one order was like here, you give the order, and it's one to and it's one to randomized. Because, because, yeah. like, like the cause like the chopsticks change every game. So, and and they and they never say like, all right, you person I am pointing to, and you other person I'm pointing to, do things together. It is number whatever and number whatever. So it's very specifically like so specifically. But I'm so, gonna choose so according to the rules, I technically could say number whatever. You get to choose the orders this turn. I think that's more of a party foul, like against the spirit of the game. Yeah. Okay. Whereas this just takes the vague concept of one person is in charge and has to give orders. If you don't follow them, you get punished. Just taking that I... and saying, yeah, this is King's Game. Apparently I own a fidget spinner. I didn't know I had one of these. Is that what that fucking noise is? Oh, that you can hear that? Okay. Yeah. I thought you were like... Sure. I thought you were like moving like game gambling chips on your... Yeah. No, apparently I own a fidget spinner. I didn't know I owned one. (laughs) So yeah, King's Game, um, animation-wise, there's nothing to write home about. Well, it didn't look all that special from what I saw from still images, but... Yeah, like, the animation is competent but lazy. Like, there's not a whole lot of... Character design-wise, I think it does a decent enough job, like, actually giving characters like relative uniqueness in their look without going super fucking overboard like there's nobody with pink hair or anything like that but they all do have a relatively unique look because they don't have relatively unique characters 
and the animation itself works for the most part. There is one bit in the first episode where one guy begins exploding in blood blisters all over his body before all the blood leaves his body. And we get a close That's up of, fucked. And we get a close up of his face and it looks terrible. Like it seems like the like the the like mid shot of his entire body that had way less detail in it, that looked better than the close up of his face that had more detail. Would that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. It's just still fucked. Yeah. So yeah, I'll watch. I'll probably watch a couple more episodes of it just because. Fuck it. What else am I gonna do? Yeah, King's Game. Um, so far, it is not very good. I have read a bunch fun. of death. I've read a bunch of death game series, and it is one of the boringer ones. Boringer. Yes. Put that on. Put that on the back of the box. Boringer. Deathstore prods. Yeah. The, yeah. The, dot com. The, the pull quote from us. Yes. They'll have to ask your permission to use that one. Yeah. And get ready for more death game stuff because I have two more death game series to talk about. God damn it. <laughs> yep, motherfuckers. One of them is my fault, I'm thinking. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, god damn it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prep myself right now, but I'll never be prepared. I understand that. Like, they aren't anything crazy. <laughs> no, but I'll, I, I don't know what it is, but every single time you talk about a death game, I'm just like, here it comes. Here it comes. Dead man's niche. No, my niche isn't death game. My niche is horrible, fucked up things happening to children. And even then, right. he has limits. He doesn't like pupa. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it's just ugh. Oh wait, okay. Just continue, continue. Hey, Bird. Anything else with the new season you want to talk about? Um. Okay. So Kino's journey's back. Yes. I, I heard about that, that when is. I saw on a list of anime coming out this season. What is Kino's journey? Uh, it's a um fantasy anthology series about a person I can't say boy or girl because in the first series it was a girl and the second series it appears to be a boy I'm not sure That's if they strange. just forgot that but essentially <laughs> they just it, forgot the gender of their character yeah. that they drew I mean it it's been a while hundreds of times it has been a yeah. while I'm not sure if it ever had a manga it had a whole bunch of light novels and the original series came out 14 years ago, and it was not even a big hit when it first came okay, out. No, that, okay, no, that makes... That still makes no sense. Never mind. I was going to say that makes more sense. No, that still makes no sense why they would change the gender, other than trying to make a statement, I guess, or it's part of the plot? Oh, yeah, so Kino's Journey never had any manga. It was light novels, then anime, yeah. then a video game, then anime film, then a video game, then another anime film, another new series. Is this all the same continuity, or is this? Con- or this, uh, well, this okay, like, that's the thing. Remakes. This is this game. This this new series, uh, Kino's Journey: A Beautiful World, is kind is a reboot. I think is the best way to put it because I love reboot. 
Okay, Kino is also a girl. Yeah, that's what I thought. But just straight certain. up. She's okay. a girl with a motorcycle and a pistol. Yeah, no, she has two pistols who that she calls um, the cannon and the woodcutter. <laughs> the key and the no. <laughs> I don't know what that got you, but I'm glad it did. It was it was my trope meter. <laughs> okay. Just the stupid fucking thing. Just Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> okay. Continue. Yeah, so I've only watched one episode of this, but I own the original series and I've watched a lot of episodes of that. And that's so when I said reboot, the first episode is original content. Because Okay. The first like, the first the original series only drew material from the first two light novels, and there's twenty of them. Okay. But the second episode comes from the same from a story that was also used in the original series, but that episode that, that the original series gave it two episodes. It was a two parter, so that the concept could be fleshed out more, and the characters in this Colosseum setting could be developed. So, is this the Brotherhood of this? Is yeah, I guess. I mean, I'd, I'd have to watch. I'd have to watch both full series again to be certain. But that's a, not a bad comparison from what I've seen so far. All right. But um, but anyway, so the first episode. Uh, also, the premise is that Kino is this girl with these two guns who travels around with her sentient talking motorcycle. Oh, of um, course, as oh, you hold do. On. Yeah. Oh, kind of buried the lead on that one. I just oh, hold on. I just because you've said this. It's reminding me of that one Jack Black and Owen Wilson thing that show Fuck, pilot right, yes, that they that. made uh, by Ju- by uh, Judd Apatow. Uh, uh, no, Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon, right? Yeah, that's it. it Dan Harmon wrote it. It's and there's it's uh, it's essentially Knight Rider, but with a motorcycle and Jack with Black. a talking motorcycle voiced by Owen Wilson. Heat Vision and Jack. Heat Vision and Jack. Holy shit. Heat Vision and Jack the anime. I can't believe it's real. <laughs> I'm sorry, Birdie. Continue. Yeah. So in the first episode, um, the main uh, Kino goes to this city where a guy who's traveling towards it also tells her that what's interesting about this city, because that's the premise. She goes to all these places where... It's a city, but something that we would consider normal is not there. Yeah. In the case of this city, uh, murder is not illegal. Uh, <laughs> all right. Wait, murder or j- just just all murders legal? Just kill everyone you want ever? There is no there is no there is no legal prohibition on taking another person's life. So literally, I can just pull out a gun and shoot someone just because I feel like it. Yep. Yeah, that's the basic okay. idea. It's not. It's not like murder with a certain like. No, nope. it's not. It's not like no. murder for vengeance. It's just if I no. feel like stabbing someone, I can do it. It's the purge yeah. at all times. Yeah. Oh. And supposedly a uh, a world famous mass murderer serial killer is now living in the town. <laughs> that's a bad situation. Yeah. A little bit. 
Because so no one's they... investigating him. No one can stop him. It's the, yeah. the only way to stop him okay. is to kill him before he kills so I'm curi- you. So I'm curious how you guys will react to this. So they get to the town, and it's fine. Everyone's <laughs> polite. No one's dead. Uh, Yet. Throughout, most, throughout the first two-thirds of the episode, all they do is eat desserts and talk about what Kino knows about the rest of the world and what she thinks of the town. She seems to think it's okay, all things considered. And then someone she's, gets she's, her latte wrong and she shoots him in the face. No, that's not what happens. Damn so it. she she gets there and she sees all this. So, so she like, buys some peppers at a store and she wonders why this nice old man has a fully loaded uh, 12-gauge just right next to him the whole time. It's like, oh, no, I think... So is that for, like, defending your store from robbery? So, oh, no, no, robbery's illegal. I just sometimes have to kill someone. <laughs> just in case I feel like it. Yeah. You and never even know this, when the murder mood might strike. Yeah. And even this old man who um, buys Kino a slice of uh, of pie in exchange for stories uh, says, Are you sure you don't want to live here? You seem like someone who would be very... Uh, Okay with the idea of killing people. You seem okay. like a psycho murderer. Well, okay, that's the thing, and okay, this is the big twist, and I'm not sure how either of you would re- would interpret this, but so the douchebag at the beginning, who Kino ran into before she came into town, who was like excited about the idea of a town where murder is legal, and was pissed that uh, Kino did not buy into his bravado essentially, comes into town, finds her, and says, I'm going to shoot you and take all your stuff. And so a small gun sight ensues. Kino doesn't uh, immediately shoot because she's not trying to get killed. She's trying to look for an opportunity. But then she doesn't have to because um, everyone goes back to their houses, and she thinks it's because they're running away from a conflict, but it's apparently just to get armed. Yeah, they got to pull out their guns. They're just yeah. like it's like the South. If liter- yeah. okay, here here. Okay, in no, let me let me finish. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm from the South, also Trey. So yeah, okay. Uh, I'm further south than you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he gets two crossbow bolts in the arm that he was trying to shoot with. He tried to gun with. And as he's bleeding out, uh, the old, the nice old man who bought pie reveals, oh yeah, I'm the serial killer. (laughs) And he's like, so why are you trying to stop me from killing her? It's like, look, just because killing is not illegal does not mean it's allowed. Yeah, it's a faux pas. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, it doesn't mean we like it. Yeah, because and that's the premise of this of a of a world of this world where murder is legal, and that everyone is just on edge all the time. And yeah. if someone actually deigns to actually kill, then the rest of them turn on that person because it upsets the balance and the peace. Yeah, it's like just because it's like you can kill if someone wrongs you super hard, but like if you're killing for fun, that's wrong. You're literally doing the wrong that everyone yeah, isn't happy is, with. It's mutually assured destruction via murder. Yes. So if the crazy people come in, it's okay to kill them. If the crazy people yeah. don't come in, people don't get killed. 
Yeah, that's the basic premise. It's an yeah. idea, certainly. Yeah. But, but here's uh, the thing. There's so many anime and manga based off of ideas. Tell me, Birdie, does this pull it through? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Because, like, it, it doesn't It doesn't do the... Because the obvious thing to do is the exploitation thing. The, ooh, everyone's just dying all the time. Whereas the whole idea of this is just... Okay, look, yeah, murder's legal, but we still have to live with each other. Yeah. <laughs> I think the more obvious thing for me is that the main character does something accidentally really wrong at the beginning, not on purpose, or is framed with doing something really wrong, and they're trying to hide all the time from an entire town that is out to murder them. Yeah, but that, but the, in that case, it's... More, so, but they're playing it. They're playing it, it. That's playing it from the outsider's perspective. This is playing it from the interior perspective of what would a group yeah. of people who willingly live in a world where murder is legal behave like on a day to day basis? So yeah, this shit's more cerebral. So, what is the plot of the whole thing? There, there is no overarching plot of the whole of the whole series. Yeah, it's from what I from what I heard so of uh, like stories. Anth- it's a, yeah, yeah, it's ep- it's episodic anthology. Yeah, just, key, just right. Kino just drives around, goes to different towns, and in those towns, something weird is happening. Yeah. So, what now, is the point of the two guns? Yeah, don't worry uh, about they it. Were given to her, they were given to her by the person who trained her in, in gunmanship. So, it's absolute bullshit that doesn't matter at all. No, it matters, because uh, the, the guns are linked to her philosophy of, I don't want to belong anywhere. And okay. in order to survive in a world where she doesn't belong anywhere and settle down into the protection of a specific identity, she has to be able to protect herself. Because, again, the, ne- the next town she goes into is a world where the president is decided by gladiatorial coliseum. Okay, so it's not necessarily the weapon. It, that stuff is central to the plot as much as it's central to just her character. Yeah, because it's all about character. All right. Yeah, and it's a gorgeous anime. It's well acted. It's again because it's not an overarching story. It's a little plotting, uh, pacing wise, and it's very mellow. But I can enjoy an episode or two of this at a time. That's why I liked the original Kino's Journey, and I would actually recommend that even if how how long is this going to be? Uh, I think twenty four episodes. I think uh, the original was thirteen. Okay, that's pretty long. Yeah, I don't really care. No, no, I get, yeah, I get that. It's just like that's half a year. That's still pretty long. Yeah, some series are worth it. Yeah, it's I mean, fine. No, Lucio, I agree. Lucio I agree. And Tora had I agree. I just, I agree. I just hope it. that if it's like an anthology thing where it's an ep- it's a different story each episode. I hope it's I don't know worth if it's it. Necess- I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a, a different story each episode because the one thing I liked about the original Kino's journey that this hasn't done yet with only two episodes is that they had storylines that carried on beyond one episode. There were multi-parters, All right. and multi-part mul- the multi-parters were the most developed, the most interesting, the most integral to understanding well, could, who Kino well, yeah. is and how she reacts as a character. Because you took time to actually develop story. It's like yeah. JoJo. Like JoJo Part Four, rather. Yeah. So compared to Part Three, I don't know if the stories are going to be 
multi-parters. I hope so, because the multi-parters were the best part of the original series. I mean, you got to assume, like, probably the first couple episodes, just like, hey, this is a this is a refresher of what Kino is. This is an introduction for people who don't know. And then once we get a bit deeper in, then we start getting like the multi-part stories. Yeah, that's what I would hope. Not every series can start out with seven episode beginnings. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I can recommend Kino's Journey. Um, So I've technically talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it one more time, just in the context of now that it's hit plot with the proper series starting. Uh, Bride of the Ancient Magus. Yes. All right. Uh, So... This series and how it was released is weird in that the three-part OVA that was created to to uh, build interest in the story before this the TV show's release gives you a good idea of who the main character is as a person, but gives you real no real context to the plot. Whereas the first episode of the series proper gives you a really good idea of what the plot's probably going to be, but it it skimps on character details. Luckily, both are available on Crunchyroll, so just watch them both. It doesn't matter which you watch first, but I think at some point as you're watching the series, you should watch the OVA just to get a sense of who the main character is, who in this case is Hattori Chise, a clinically depressed, borderline suicidal 15-year-old girl who... And the reason she's suicidal is that, according to the series, she is what's called a sleigh beggar. Which is a weird term for a person who's born with the ability to essentially draw spirits and and non-human creatures to her. And because she's a slave, the the series refers to it as like a queen bee concept, where all spirits and non-human creatures are sort of like drawn to help her. The yeah, you know like how bees not... can you know like how bees can sense royalty. Yeah. But uh the difference being that since the, most of these creatures are not human, they don't necessarily know what help means. So a lot of their ideas of help aren't <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, uh yeah, convincing her mom to jump out the window and kill herself instead of kill her. Yeah, no. Yeah. Th- that's not help. <laughs> It could be. I, I, it kind I, okay. of is. If your mom's a I'm really gonna, shitty person, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna walk out on him here and say that's probably not the best help. Not the best, but it could be help. Yeah, and but on a more daily basis, it's stuff like essentially if what if Dead Man was a freeloading roommate where he just wanders in, eats food off your table, <laughs> stares at you, and then leaves. What do you mean? Is what that if what he is? <laughs> the only difference is I pay rent. <laughs> and because she can see all this and no one else can, it freaks her the hell out. And oh, no. I mean, naturally, if see- seeing me walk into your house would probably freak me out, too. <laughs> yeah. Ah, it's out of Warren. <laughs> oh, no. But because of that, she's Did you have Pepsi left? Clinically, clinically suicidal to, until this creepy-looking guy says, hey, uh, if you want to die, why don't you sell me your life so someone else can decide what to do with it if you don't care what you to do happens to you anyway. Oh, so she does. And she's bought for five million pounds by Elias Ainsworth, the Thorn Mage. And what year is this? 
present day. Okay, that's a lot of money then. Yes. Five billion pounds is a lot of money in most time periods. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, like, if, like this is like, if this is like if this is like a hundred years in the future, then maybe it's not a lot of money. <laughs> inflation really depreciates. Inflation gets ridiculous, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a hundred years ago, balloon like, is worth a sandwich. <laughs> Actually, not even a sandwich. It's worth a piece of paper to write down. I want a sandwich. <laughs> But you can't afford the pen. Hey man, I just yeah. bought the hey man, I just bought the moon for about one piece of paper per square acre. All it cost me was a copy of War and Peace. Yeah. So uh, Who's the War per- and Peace. Oh my god. That's a joke. Shut up. Okay, where's the server yeah. mute option? Uh that's fine. Anyway. Uh <laughs> Elias, favor. Elias is the probably most iconic thing about this series because he's a wizard that walks around with a antelope skeleton for a, a antelope skull for a head. I was going to say, like, wait, the entire skeleton? I haven't seen what he looks like without clothes. It might be a skeleton. No, I'm no, sure just, no, just imagine now. I'm just imagining like a dude walking around with like a museum style like wired skeleton on his neck, just like regular person up to his neck, and then just a full antelope. And then there's a plaque on like his kneecap or something. Yeah, yeah. just like just like the <laughs> that has his Latin name. <laughs> yeah, his Latin like Latin name of antelope, and then in bra- and then in brackets his name. Yeah, but anyway, um, so. He buys her and then teleports her out to the English countryside where he lives with his uh, with his uh, fairy maid and werewolf dog. Sure. <laughs> so wait a minute. The werewolf dog. That confuses me. It looks like a dog most of the time, but it talks and can turn into a human. I don't know if that's technically a werewolf. I think that's not the were that's a there's some other term for that. Like a, either a dog that can turn into a human or a human that can turn into a dog or a wolf. But it's some form of lycanthropy. I just don't know the exact term, so I used werewolf. Yeah, so I'm just, no, I'm just imagining like like whenever it's not a full moon out, just a person walking around with like a collar on is like, hey man, what's up? I'm the dog. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first time you see this dog, it wakes. It, it's laying. It's laying in bed. It's laying on the floor next to Chise's bed. It wakes up and says, "Oh, hi, Chise." Then yawns. Hey, what's up, Frank? <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna go hunting. Yeah. Well, he doesn't go hunting because the 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 fairy maid also makes him a plate, so he only turns into a human to eat. But I'm just, I'm just imagining like like what I do with dogs. Just, just kind of like sitting on the floor, just kind of like petting. I was like, "Oh, you good puppers!" And they're like doing that with just like a person, <laughs> just like giving some, just giving some dude like belly rubs. Okay, you're weird. It's just funny to me. Anyway, um, and I, I always imagine that he is very indignant about it. Yeah. So there's uh, the main thing I like about this series, despite how dark it is from that concept, is its sense of humor. Because um, the first thing he does when he brings when uh, Elias brings Chise home is give her a bath because she hasn't bathed in several days and and he, it, it's not a sexual thing it's just treated like someone trying to g- 
give an unruly pet a bath. It's like, okay, come on, no, hold still, no, come on. Nope, sit, <laughs> but sit. Of course, <laughs> but of course, the nature of the thing is such that you're going to draw, like, dude, bad touch jokes, which the series then makes fun of when um, Elias takes Chisei to see his uh, his artificer, who designs all of his equipment and such, and she says, like, you didn't do anything weird to this girl, did you? It's like, how absurd. The five million I paid for her was completely legitimate, at which point she punches him into the next room. <laughs> and then she has to ask, she say, look, he didn't do anything weird to you, did She has to, and there's like ten seconds of nothing but silence. And to which, because uh, Elias doesn't think he's done anything wrong. He said, look, she said, you have to answer that question really quickly or else people are going to misconstrue something. So she answers, it's like, uh, he took off all my clothes and gave me a bath and then threw me in my room. Does that count? Awkward silence. <laughs> Great. But yeah, um, the magic stuff is really interesting. Like, the, this is one of the weirdest first... Like, okay, so when you, when, when you think of someone first committing a magic trick for the first time, Dead Man, what do you usually think of? Like, swinging a wand or... Like flying around on a broom, or like trying to pop something like a like a little wick I, of fire or something. I think of them trying to move something with their mind. I think of card tricks. Yeah, ah, uh, the Konosuba approach. Is, is this your card? <laughs> Remember, Kon- no, you, you watched Konosuba, right, Dead Man? Uh, most of the first season. Yeah, so oh, you know you that um, it. that Aqua. The first thing she learned was. Was party tricks? Yeah, just it, it, just it, all of her skills. Just, like, just all of her skills. Look at all just, my water. Yeah, all of her skills are she can shoot water out of a thing for a joke. Yep. And she has yeah. the fucking Usopp hammer, Usopp rubber band thing when she's fucking fighting undead. Yep. Yeah. But she says first experience with magic is she's given a crystal and saying, "Told, hey, grow a flower." And she does, but she ends up growing a garden that overtakes the entire room. Okay. Because, um, so they make a distinction in terms of types of supernatural abilities in this series between magic and sorcery. Sorcery, for the way they describe it, sounds more like alchemy because they describe it as this person understands the way the laws of the world works and bends them to their will. Whereas a mage uses uh, spirits or fairies or such to create miracles that flat out bend the rules or break them. Okay. Yeah. And I'm curious what that'll mean going forward, but the... The second episode ends on a note where I've felt the need to reference a nostalgia critic joke because so this priest comes to their cottage and says, "Hey, uh, look, we need you." And it because it, like you know this this is one of those weird universes where the the church and mat and mages get along. Yeah, they just have to like keep in contact, and the the church occasionally gives different mages different tasks to take care of in exchange for just leaving them alone, basically. And it's not like little things. It's just like one of the letters was, hey, the dragons are acting up in Iceland. Go see what that's about. <laughs> oh, the goddamn dragons again. I gotta go reset the fucking router. 
Yeah. At which point, a mage riding a wyvern kidnaps Chise, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's a way to end an episode. Yeah. Let's like, go deal with the dragons. <laughs> yeah. Reminded me of a nostalgia critic. Pick. Dragon? Dragon what? 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 Dragon what? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I overall really am enjoying the series, and I'm going to keep watching it. I've heard the manga's good, too, so if the anime stops before the manga does, I'll read the manga afterwards. Okay. But that's it for the new season, and I haven't watched anything else, so I guess you'll go into your stuff. Well, Trey. Hmm. It appears Trey has fallen asleep. I guess it'll do me then. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I guess just uh, kind of going off, um, just getting this out of the way up front because you talked about it already. Um, I read all bound. I read all rounder Megaru and Darwin's game. Okay. Yeah, they're both pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, all rounder. Um, like you said, it does get a bit like hard to follow things when a bunch of people who look almost exactly the same put on giant head things that cover up their defining character traits and then start grappling each other. Yeah. That's the only problem I have with the artwork is when they do like close quarters, grappling and wrestling. Yeah. Also. Yeah. A lot of d- nuclear disaster relief. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> and it's weird. <laughs> okay. Is it just as weird as he described? Yeah. Kind of it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Well, like one, like it, it gets introduced as one character's backstory, where where like one guy who is involved in like the mixed martial arts thing, his brother was involved in the judo club at his high school, and they ended up and they ended up like paralyzing a guy. Oh, so then he went on to so then he went on to work for a nuclear disaster relief effort. Oh, and then it's part of the plot. Where like, all right, so yeah, we're going, to, we're going to this fighting tournament, but also, you know, we're going to help out people involved in the earthquake and like that reactor meltdown thing. Okay. And it's just kind of weird. It's just this weird like peripheral thing that is that is like hanging over this fucking series in a really weird way. Yeah, because like. It's not the focus of the plot, but yeah. it just keeps showing up. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It is really weird. Yeah, so you see why I felt the need to say it's distracting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It is very much just, just like, like it doesn't, it doesn't make the series worse. Like it's no, not. A, it's not a. It's not a bad plot thread. It's yeah. just distracting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. It's weird. But yeah, and then uh, Darwin's Game is... It's one of the better Death Game series. Okay, actually, before you move on from All Round to Megaru, did you like the humor in it? Uh, humor? It was... Hit or miss for me. Okay. Yeah, uh, so, some jokes, I think, humor. worked. I remember, I do remember like laughing at a lot of stuff, but then it is also like so stupidly tragic at times that the humor distracts. Yeah, that's why I said I, 
this more of the series is comedic than tragic, but the tragedy is so heavy that it often feels weird than going to a scene where like the kickboxing girl will shove her foot up the kid's guy's ass for flirting with another chick. Yeah. Just weird back and forth like that. Yeah, Darwin's Game is one of the better death game series I've read. Okay. Largely because it focuses more on, like, plot and character and interesting uses of powers as opposed to just, we are going to get the most shocking death out of this possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, once you get into Darwin's Game, everybody is given a power. Uh, it It is a very specific power that you can use for very specific things, but... Because of that, they have to be creative about how they use it. And our character does kind of have a has a kind of bullshit power in terms of what it actually lets him do. Yeah, I it's, mean there are limits on it, but he can but he can kind of train himself out of some of those limits. Yeah. So basically, anything he touches, if he understands what it does and it has a very specified purpose, he can make a copy of it. And with training, it is a copy that is just as good, if not better, than the thing it is a copy of. So, starts out like he can make a gun. That gun is a decent quality gun, but it's nothing special. And then he, then like when he gets into like the actual training stuff later in the series, to be like, all right, make a copy of this sword. And then he does, and that sword gets fucking shattered by the original. So then he starts training, making infinite fucking copies of this sword until once until one day the sword that he makes breaks the original sword. As yeah, like he says, he can't make anything organic or anything that is really complicated that has multiple purposes, like cell phones and stuff. But still, it is a very it is a very overpowered power. Yeah, but then you have other guys who have very specified powers that are actually really interesting how they use them like there is like the lady who has who can control anything string like so she uses that for chains which she uses for combat defense as well as like fucking just like transport uh she can she like sets up like wire traps and shit you have another guy who can detect if people are lying who becomes like a central part of this guy's organization because the darwin's game it is a it is a widespreading thing it is a fucking far-reaching enterprise almost Where there are people who are involved in the game or are like outside of the game but are aware of its existence that like actually watch live streams of it and place bets on it and shit and they have like guilds and stuff in it. Yeah. Have you gotten to the weird priest thing? Uh, yeah, you mean Buddha Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a character in this. Uh, he is, he's like, I think he's the head of one of the clans, one of the guilds. He is. He is kind of shown in the bit where time travel is introduced because it's a death game series. And yeah, he looks like Jesus, dresses like Buddha, and his eyes are fucking holes. Yeah. I don't know what his deal is. Yeah, there's a lot of characters. I don't know what their deal is yet. Like, um... Uh... The number one player of the game, at least on their server, was a professionally incredibly effective assassin. Professional, incredibly effective assassin, even before the game gave her extra powers. Yeah, she was like super murder person, and then just fucking 
if she was just like this awesome murder person, then she got into the game, and then she was an even better murder person. I, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, like I, and like I said, there's a lot of tonal shifts about uh, that uh, about the various events and the characters, and I know it's supposed to be a bad thing when the main character kills for the first time when he doesn't really need to, but considering that the bad guy was who he was and that he freaking sevened one of his school friends. I'm like, uh, you okay. If you're trying yeah, no, to make that murder this was justified. Like, if you're trying to make this seem like, Oh, he's turning to the dark side type thing. You can't have a, that cartoony, a villain doing that ridiculous of a death. Yeah. Also, it wasn't really a turn to the dark side moment. It was just kind of a, he has reached the next step of the game moment because like, even when he does murder that guy, I murder all those other people. After that, it's not shown to have like a super negative impact on him. Like, like we do get some, we do get like some kind of like. There's a bit of distance put between him and us, as once he actually sets up his clan, uh, we don't really we don't see him for a long time. Like a yeah. good number of chapters, we only like hear about him in the fucking background of other characters who are starting to get involved in the game. And. Like as that goes as that goes along, um, we we don't really get to see him, so we're just kind of like, oh, what's he like now? Everybody's talking about him. Is he going to be like this? But then we see him again, and he's still like a decent person. Yeah. Once he gets into like once he gets into like the actual game, like yeah, he is a bit more ruthless and a bit more like fucking surgical in the way he attacks and stuff. But it's not like oh, you saw me die. Like the first person he fucking encounters once he gets into like the next death game where he is really important in it, he takes him down. But there's like they realize, oh, you're not a threat to me. I'll let you go. You want to join my fucking clan, dude? You seem like a good person. It's like, oh, you think your power is bullshit? Let me show you how to properly use it. Yeah, like actively like actively helping people, seeking alliances, and only really going full murder mode when the need arises. Yeah, which will be necessary if... Uh, so, you, have you read all the chapters that are out? I believe so. The last one, last one that we were in... Um, they made it to the they made it to the village and the yeah. insurance guy and led one of the, the monkeys yeah, to him. One of the yeah, and one of the no, he didn't lead the monkeys to him. Uh, he basically just figured out oh, so if we kill these people and not our own people or other game players, right, we yeah, get that. points without losing points for the for the friendly fire uh, mechanic. Yeah, so it's basically it looks like it's going to turn into these two clans versus everyone else and probably the monkey demons. Probably the monkey demons. You see why I, I, I told you that, that that this most recent game felt like a weird hard turn from what had happened before. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's real weird. And how convenient that he just finished training with a high level Chinese assassin before he got to a mission where. Hand-to-hand combat's pretty much the only way to beat these things because they're they've got their own special power, which basically makes them bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody speaking of death games. Okay. I read as the gods will. I keep hearing about this thing, and I have no idea what to make of it. It's kind of all right. Like it's actually a decent story. I kind of figured it would have to be since it went on for 370 plus chapters. 
it actually didn't. Like it, it it's only like a I think a, I think a, the second series, which is actually the main series, went on for like 187. Okay, I just remember there being like 37 volumes. Yeah, there are a bunch of volumes of it, but it's really weird because after like the first couple of volumes, they switched things up and tra- and transferred it over to a different main character. Okay, that's not entirely unprecedented, but it's still un- unusual. Yeah, it's a different main character and also a different game that is running in tandem with the actual game. So I guess I'll kind of explain things as part one and part two. So in part one, our, our main character is uh, Shun Takahata, I believe is his name. He's a dude, goes to school, has friends, has people he's interested in, all that shit. Things are going great. Uh, then one day, his teacher's head explodes. And a Dharma pops out of it. Okay. And then they all, and then everybody in the class plays a deadly game of uh, Dharma San has fallen, which is essentially red light, green light. Okay. Where, where if, where it's like this little head thing is staring at you and you move, it opens its mouth and you die. Just a party gets fucking blown off and you're dead. Uh, then, at, then it starts saying Daruma San has fallen, and in that time you have to you have to move up as close as you can in order to try to hit a button on the back of it to stop it. Okay. Uh, if you do that, then whoever hits that button lives. Everybody else who is still alive dies. Okay. Then, then every single person from every surviving class in the high school goes to the gym where a giant luck cat is hanging out with a basketball hoop on its net neck and you need to put a bell inside the basketball hoop or die. Once you do, then things get weird. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so uh, this guy named Kamimaro, uh, he is the one to set up all this game. Uh, it is based off of a doujinshi he released back when he was human. And he is just kind, of, and he's just kind of like setting this up in order to do something. I'm not entirely sure what the rub is for what he's going for. I'm not sure what his end game is because this is all a game to him. Like, like in the initial chapters when we see him before before we actually get the full on reveal of him, he's hanging out playing this on a fucking SNES or a Super Famicom, I guess, since it's Japan. Okay, playing on this giant TV and watching everything, and. As the first series progresses, it gets more and more intense as, like, after like after everybody survives, they get taken to these hospitals, and then giant cubes from space come and land in all the hospitals where all these kids are, and then everybody goes up inside the cubes, and they have to survive more death games. Whoever survives those, like, seven people to survive those games, they become God's children, the children of God. They are fucking nationwide celebrities. Everybody knows them. Everybody's like, well, yeah, some weird religion begins forming around them. Where, like, a psychologist who was initially talking about things had actually turned over into some weird cult leader. Okay. But that, actually, was all a ruse, as he's been secretly been investigating Kamimaro and figuring out that he's actually his nephew. Okay. And, yeah, uh, the first series just kind of goes along until they get to this weird athletics meet thing where our two, where our, essentially our two heroes, um... Shun and Ayama. Uh, Shun is a 
decent guy who ends up getting involved in all this and finding out that, hey, being almost murdered and also almost murdering people gets me like super rock hard. Meanwhile, Ayama was that from the beginning. Okay. They try to they try to kill Kamimaro and then get blown up and dumped out of a giant cube thousands of feet in the air. And that's where series one ends. Okay. Series two then rewinds things back to before the game started. And our new character, um, Takahashi, I believe is his name. Okay. Uh, he skips school. He leaves school the day this happens. The day the fucking Donimus thing first shows up and the day all this children of God shit begins. So as he is outside doing fucking whatever, the Donimus-san game starts. And after and after like a couple chapters of him just realizing, oh, fuck, all my friends are dead, maybe, uh, he he gets visited by a robotic guy with a trash can on his back. Who then takes him to a different game specifically for all of the students who skipped school. So we get a secondary tandem game that is running alongside the first that are running alongside the first series in like the same basic time. Where this is all just happening somewhere else. This is all events that will affect the series that we didn't see the first time around. Okay. And so it is similar kind of games. It is just, it is like weird bullshit. Like, hey, yeah, you got to go fucking fight these demons. And how you do it is you get a ball that has a bean in it. You flick the bean at their head and their head fucking explodes. Because demons and beans, I guess. Okay. And then things just progress from there as we start getting more and more into things. Um, we get a different, we get a different villain this time around. His name is a sane Kami. Who is a child who just hates people. If you fuck with them, then he kills you. And yeah, um, so Takahashi, he builds up this fucking group, this fucking group of people. And starts taking them through all this stuff as they all just slowly lose their minds or get their minds given back to them. It is. It's a cool series. I kind of like it. And I like it. I'm not sure how to put this. It still has it still has the problems that death games have. It is pretty formulaic. A lot of the deaths just kind of feel not like they really have any impact on anything. Uh, a lot of the deaths feel like they are purely there for exploitative purposes. Uh, Character-wise, a lot of them feel one note, and especially the fact that most of the, like a good chunk of them, are just straight-up murderers. Yeah, that's always the problem I always have with a lot of murder game stories: is that characters like the main character of Darwin's game are incredibly rare in murder game stories. Yeah. Meanwhile, in this thing, um, like that first series is kind of very much banking on this idea that. Um, that like uh, that the people who will survive this are people who get turned on by death. That seems to be the thing. Like the big fucking drive of a lot of these characters is to see who makes who death makes horny. Kind of. 
like our like our main character, his main buddy, and the main love interest for the first series all get turned on by death. Then in the second one, uh, they get a bit away from that. Like Akashi, I'm, I just remembered his name was Akashi. Uh, like Akashi, our main guy and his main buddy, who is a who's in a similar vein to Ayama. Um, his name is Ushimitsu. Uh, neither of them are like super into death or like re- or like really into that stuff. Oh, another thing actually interesting that is really interesting about this. Um, there is a straight up gay character in this. Okay, is it tastefully handled? Kind of. Because, like, most death game series get to be particularly exploitative in a lot of cases. So. Like, I, I'm I, I'm pretty sure he's straight up gay because in, in all, like, the um outside material, they describe this guy as a main character's love interest. And in the book itself, he is very much infatuated. Like, everybody that he is infatuated with are men. Okay. The way he talks about them, the way he thinks about them, and when they get superpowers, because of course they do. Uh, his thing is a like his power is a love triangle made up of stars that are both named after men that he knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he says that he he uh, he says no bones about it that he is straight up in love with the main character, and it's Ushimitsu, the super murder guy. Okay. And it is interesting because there actually is, like, plot with him. Like, he actually has an arc. He goes okay. from, yeah, murder's fucking awesome. Fuck these people, to maybe I shouldn't murder. It's not much of an arc, but fuck, it's an arc. I suppose. And it's not just and it's not immediate either. Like, he actually takes some time to learn this shit. And it is... It's something. It is something, and I did not expect it from a death game. That's mainly, that's mainly my takeaway from this, is just this thing doesn't do what I expect a death game to do sometimes, and for that, I can give it a pass. Okay. Like, even the art is not what I'd expect. Like, the art has a lot of personality in it. There's a lot of, like, fun with the characters in it, and it does a really good job with the... It does a really good job with the violence and the gore and the monsters and stuff without going super over the top or like super fucking camp with it like a lot of other death game series do. Like the draw of a lot of death game series is just let's see how fucked up the art can get. Let, let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And in this, like the art does really, the art works really well when they die, but it's not like it's not super. It's not super gory. It's not super exploitative. It is just an appropriate amount of, like, schlock blood. And then that's kind of it. Like, you don't, you don't see we – never, we never get a fucking magical girl apocalypse level of fucking violence in this. Or the way that series handles violence. I know that isn't a death game thing, but – I consider it kind of in the same vein of, like, the super fucked up things happening to kids. Okay. Like, there is no time where we get to watch a person, panel by panel, get sawed in half with a buzzsaw from behind. Fair enough. A lot of the deaths are quick, 
and fucked up, but then the fucked up thing just kind of gets brushed past. It moves on and keep things going at a clip so that the so that you don't really think too much about the implications of what you watched happen. It's also surprisingly clean for like a lot of the later deaths. Like the early deaths, it's you're getting fucking body parts blown off and getting crushed to death by a giant cat. But then you get into like the second series stuff, and a lot of their deaths are like, oh, he burst into flames, so he's just ash. Or, oh, he got frozen, so he's a bunch of popsicles. Or he got turned to goop. So it's just like stab, but then... And they actually do spend some time... Like, they do spend a fair amount of time, like, explaining the rules of the games, but the games themselves actually all work, I feel. Like, the, like the explanations of the games are very long-winded and complicated, as you would expect. But I still found, but I still found myself interested in the games themselves. I liked what they were doing. They weren't always the most interesting stuff, but it worked, I think. Okay. So, yeah, as the gods will. I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, it's already done, so I'm going to finish it. And I'm digging what I enjoyed. I'm digging what I've read so far. I, this is a series that I can actually recommend and not just say, hey, you want to see something fucked up? Check it out. But if you want to see something fucked up, check out A Trail of Blood. I don't know what this series is. This is from the guy who made Flower of Evil, right? Yes, it is. This is his. Then that's the appropriate response. Yeah, so I talked about this briefly before, like when it just when it first started out, and I and I didn't know what it was. Now I still don't know what it was, but it's something else. Yeah, that sounds like the guy who made um, because like apparently um, I never finished it, but flowers flowers of evil, which started with the premise of a girl catches a guy doing something illicit with the clothes of a girl he likes and takes that as an excuse to sexually exploit, torture, and torment this kid for the rest of his life ends on a melancholic happy note. <laughs> this isn't that. Like, that is a plot I can follow. Okay. I don't even know what the plot of this is yet. So... When it started out, I talked about it. It was just this kind of slice of life thing. There was this kid. He's being a bit babied by his mom, and his mom tried to almost murder his cousin. Sure. So his mom's a bit of a sociopath. With her main focus of obsession being this kid. In the last couple chapters, uh, what happened was a girl that this guy that this kid is into comes over. And just kind of hangs out for a little bit. They talk a little bit, and then she gives them a note. You know, like you would expect. Once she leaves, the mom reads the note. And then asks the son to destroy it with her. So So there's a bit right before they destroy it where the kid is kind of staring at her. She's waiting for a response, and then he just starts crying and just falls into her breasts, like not in like a super overt way about it, but just kind of like falls in and that's where his head lands. She isn't like wearing any, the series is this, this guy doesn't really do exploitation like that. No, he's, it's more 
the artsy. It's not uh, exploitative. It's more like artsy, creepy stuff. Yeah, and so, and so after he has a nice good cry, uh, the two of them uh, are just kind of sitting there, like looking at the letter. And she has one corner, he has one corner, and they both rip it in half. And then as it's being ripped in half, you see that each of the individual pieces represents some part of his psyche, as he is being slowly destroyed. And all that's left is his mom, who then kisses him full on on the lips, open up, just fucking right up in there. I don't know what this is. Again, Flowers of Evil guy, you're not surprised me. I have not read Flowers of Evil, so this surprised me. <coughs> the only thing I read of his was happiness, and happiness isn't this. Happiness is let the right one in but manga. That is something, that is a quantifiable thing that I can like look at and go, yes, I understand this. I understand what this is doing, the characters make sense, the story makes sense, this makes sense to me. A Trail of Blood does not. A Trail of Blood, I don't even know what fucking genre to put this in. Other well, than psychological. I don't know what order they came out in, but it sounds like it could be one of those things where, yeah, you know, I started with happiness and it worked okay, but you know what? It's not crazy enough for me. Then he did Flowers of Evil, and... He's like, okay, this is a little bit more my speed. I need a little bit more to keep things going. Okay, now I got this. I'm pretty sure it went Flowers of Evil, Happiness, uh, tra- and Trail of Blood. Okay, so we went crazy first, came down off the crazy long enough to want to go back to more crazy. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And there's another one in there that ran for like 12 chapters and then stopped. Okay. Never read that. I don't even know what, I don't even know what its name is. But I'm kind of scared to read it because I don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah, well, with this writer, you never do. I think I'm going to wait till Trail of Blood is over before trying to get into that. All right. Are you going to keep reading Trail of Blood? Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I want to know. All right. Yeah, then final thing I looked at. I'm not going to get too much into it because it's just fucking nothing. Um, Hakaiju. I have never heard of this. Don't worry about it. You don't need to. Okay, good. Yeah, Move it on. is. It's about a high school kid who one day, after having a, after getting into a bit of a tussle with his buddy, his buddy gets murdered as the city gets taken over by giant monsters. Then fucked okay. up things happen as it's revealed that people are actually the worst monsters of all. Oh fuck this! Now move on. Yep, that's it. Okay, that's, that's I, all I got. I, I forgot one thing. And unfortunately, Trey had to leave because his internet cut out. But um, the one thing I forgot is recovery of an MMO junkie. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this one because it's incredibly slowly paced. So, the, But the basic premise is this woman apparently had to deal with a very abusive environment at her jobs. And it stressed her out so much that she quit work and became a neat for those who don't ah. know, NEAT is a uh, acronym for not employed, educated, or in tra- not being employed in education or in training. Yeah, you are term. you are a shut in. You do not go outside. You don't have any job. You just kind of stay. Well, in if room. You, you go outside to get food, essentially, it's about if, it. if anything. Yeah, and so she gets into the to help her relieve the stress of the day. She gets into this MMO and at first does really bad at it as she keeps dying at the hands of this Raichu. 
it's a it's a floor boss of like a fantasy RPG, but it's basically a Raichu. It looks like a Raichu. Okay. <laughs> Until she meets this um and for reference, she's playing a blue-haired guy in this in the game. Uh, she until she meets this uh, pink-haired healer witch type character who helps her get through the map, and then they just they party up. He joins her guild. They hang out a lot, and they grow really close in the game. Uh, of course, in real life, it's a hot the the pink-haired girl is a hot salary man. Naturally, but. Uh, they have not met yet. They don't know who each other are. Uh, two episodes in, they've the two people have met once when on Christmas she got hungry and went to get uh, some food from the Seven Eleven, and she and he both asked for the same thing because there was one left, and then her stomach loudly growled, so he let her have it. So she was super embarrassed. <laughs> That's the extent of these characters' interactions outside of the game. So you kind of have to judge where their relationship is as people from how they interact in the game. Yeah. And aside from the super slow pacing, I do kind of like it because it's so well characterized so far. And it doesn't... It hasn't completely stigmatized being a neat yet. Because like, like NHK, yeah, it's about people that are shut-ins, but they're all kinds of fucked up. This character's not really fucked up. She's just... Recovering from the fact that she basically lived in the corporate equivalent of an abusive relationship. (laughs) Like, everyone yells at her. She was constantly pushed over. I don't know how she survived at this job for as long as she must have survived at it. Because she's like, she complains that she's in her 30s and is now a neat again. And she spent all the, a lot of her savings on the fancy high end gaming computer. But. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's an investment. <laughs> but trust, yeah, trust uh, me, somebody who spent $2,000 on a computer, I know. Yeah. And I'm looking at spending yeah, another $1,000 to upgrade one component of it. But yeah, it's. It, I don't know where it's going yet because it's. Because even at two episodes in, it's. The story hasn't really started yet, if there is one, so it, I kind of need it to progress a little more before I can judge it, but that's it for me. Alrighty then. That's what we've been reading watching then, and unfortunately Trey has, like we said, had to had to bounce. On to news. <clears throat> so, first up, uh, Geno Studio, or Geno Studio, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that. Uh, an anime studio uh, that did genocidal organ. Uh, they have announced that they will be adapting the manga um, Golden Kamui. Uh, the series I talked about a few episodes back about the dude and little girl who go in search of like prison gold but end up getting a fucking series of lectures about this one specific Japanese culture. Yeah, that's getting, that's getting an anime. Uh, it's being directed by um, Hitoshi Nanba, uh, the director of Fate Grand Order. So there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, with series composition done by the guy uh, who did series composition, presumably, for Bakano, Durarada, Kuroko Nabasuke, um, Noboro Takagi. Okay. So that's happening. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then the sadder news uh, that's, uh, that Bert Lee might care about. 
Uh, baby steps coming to an end. This ending. I won't, I, I'm, I'm upset. Is it premature? Does it say that? Uh, it is getting three more chapters, including the including the most recent one they released. Okay. Which well, sucks because that feels premature. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know how far behind the chapter because, like, even the chapters up to date that are out in the West. I get the impression that's maybe 20, 30 chapters behind what's out in Japan. I don't know for certain. Uh-huh. But if it is ending prematurely, that will make me sad because I think this is a series that, as long as it's gone on, does kind of deserve a proper ending. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very well-done sports series that it just did so much stuff that sports series don't do. Or fucking Shonen series don't do. Pretty sure this is Seinen, but fuck it. I'll track. I'll, I'll count it. It was a really cool fucking book. It did a lot of good stuff. Had good characters and everything. And so, the fact that it's coming to an end is unfortunate. It, it's it's sad. It yeah. is. Yeah, uh, they just released chapter 300 out here in the West uh, from a scanlation group. Hopefully, did, hopefully, hopefully, we are actually like thirty or like twenty or thirty chapters behind, so that we can actually get some fucking legs out towards the ending. So, it, like as it is right now, if it ended in three chapters from where it is now, that would be super disappointing. Yeah, probably because they're at the start of a because they're at the start of a tournament featuring professional tennis players. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. Although that does make me worry that that if we're twenty thirty chapters out. Because I don't really care about the tennis tournaments. I care about the characters. Yeah. And I would kind of prefer that the ending of the series be about these characters not ending on a tournament. Yeah, I don't want it to end on a tournament. Like, it just... I want it to end with the characters having reached a goal. Yeah, I can agree with that. And unfortunately, and unfortunately I guess because we don't care about the tournaments, and like progressing through the tournament leads to that goal. Yeah. Because his goal is to go pro, and he can't really go pro unless he competes in tournaments and wins. Yeah. I'm just saying, I hope that the last chapter is not, like, tied up with, will he win the tournament, will he lose the tournament? Because that I don't care about. No, like, the last chapter should be something with him and his girlfriend, or something with him and, like, his buddies at the fucking, like, training camp. Yeah. Just, like, I don't know, he and his girlfriend are, like, hanging out in or fucking like, Florida. Yeah, or like they do a couple year jump where they're like in a committed relationship or he's always like and he's like a professional player now and he occasionally comes back to help with the place that got him started but he's in a different place now. Yeah, totally. Just something. Yeah. Just don't end on yay, he won the tournament. Just like, hey, he won the tournament. That's it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for reading everybody. What happened yeah, with that relationship? I don't know, dude. That's not what I care about. That's not what Cora, who's a much bigger fan of Baby Steps than me, cares about. It's That's not what anybody cares about. No. Hell, even the fucking sports, like, in, in, like almost any sports series, nobody cares about the fucking sport. Yeah. Like, even in the biggest, best fucking sports things, the only reason that we're like, oh, yeah, the tournament's happening. Let's fucking read that is because it's characters we like and new characters going from there. Yeah. Which is why the worst shown series have the worst, not the worst sports series have the worst characters. Yeah, totally. Because 
Ugh. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with an episode of the Desktop Anime Manga Podcast. In between now and then, we got chicken. I don't know. Maybe I'll be on more than one podcast again at some point soon. <laughs> Till then, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. Man for Trey. We'll see you guys next time.